About the, the the real person, and we go. What? We get rid of this guy, Pete Ferrero. I'm feeling wonderful. <laughs> Kathleen looks crush, TV crushworthy. Like so many special guests, and all your questions live on the Beverly Hills 90210 show. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, hey, here we are uh, back on the Beverly Hills 90210 show. Um, Larry, it's good to see you. How's everything on the East Coast for you? Yes. Uh, everything is good, Pete. Uh, I missed having Chuck here. Chuck around. Of course, he wasn't on the season, but he's at the Dodger game. So we're saying hi, Chuck, at the Dodger game. <laughs> right. And uh, no, things are things are good here. I, I've managed, though, to lose a lot of things, but I find them again, which is the good part. But I lost my glasses. I left them in a restaurant. And they were found. So I that was amazing. Good, so. But I realized glasses are for losers. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I was a loser because I lost my glasses. But right. uh, I, I was going to try to, I was going to try to just uh, get it by without it. I, I you know, I raised all, because I'm finishing my third novel, and I, I raised all the font up so it was bigger. I said, I can do this without glasses. Who needs glasses? So I was going to make it, but, you know, my wife got it for me this morning. Nice. And Chris, uh, you know, associate producer of 90210, but you started in season two, right? I mean, you, you I did. Yeah. And you went all the way to the bitter end. Well, it was, uh, I started in middle of season two or so. It was the Halloween episode. Yeah. Um, so that was like uh, September, August of that year. Um, and then I was two years as a production PA helping around in the office. And then I had I had a liking for post production, and so they they were they moved me over to Melrose Place post production as a post PA, and they did that thing for a season, and then they brought me back to nine hundred two and zero to start over as a post PA. But then when the associate producer David Semmel was going to move on to a directing career, then I took over his seat, uh, and that was in the middle middle of uh, well nineteen ninety four. What four season four I think season four five, yeah yeah season four. yeah. Well, that's great. I know you got a lot of great Amazing, yeah. you're going to share here. Well, Chris, Chris was there. I mean, he, you know, not many people have worked, you know, that many episodes. It's pretty right. And always at the end. So yeah. glad you could be here, Chris. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for inviting me. Erin uh, from today. How's all everything going today and also at today? <laughs> going well. Uh, it was good to rewatch this episode. It's been a while since it's one of the ones that's not on Hulu. So that was a fun rewatch. Which I still don't understand why it's not on Hulu. Larry, did you figure that out? No, I can't figure it out. Like, what? I don't know. There was one at one point. There were people speaking during some music that was playing, so they couldn't kind of strip it. I thought, but it just seemed like a minor. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. It, it was upsetting, but it was good. We saw it because, um, like, I had like like Aaron. I hadn't seen it in a while, so uh, it, it brought back a, a lot of uh, memories. And uh, some good, some bads, but in the, all in all, I, I was, you know, I was pretty knocked out. But I have to say, Jason did a beautiful job directing it. Mm. I, I, I believe it was one of the last episodes we, we it was the last episode we did of the year before. We had the Christmas break, we did the post production, and then the thing aired like early in January, probably the first original in January. And um, 
And it's interesting because it, 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 again, it followed like we did with real time. It followed the end of a semester for kids in college and sure. January started another semester. So it's, it's a significant episode uh, because it, it's, it's, it's big things beginning and new and some things ending. And I know we're going to talk about this thing. So you want me to get into this well, right let me, now? Let me, let me, let me set the Heat stage up for me, baby. Let Heat me up. set the stages for you here because, you know, we, we the opening has you talking about and we're getting rid of this. We've got to get rid of this guy, which is, you know, referring to, I'm going to say Dalton James, right? I mean, Dalton James came into the show uh, season seven. We invited Dalton on the show today. He has express interest in coming on the show. There are certain people he doesn't want to talk about and all of this, um, but I think one day he will join us. But I, I think it's a good place to start because, you know, you brought Mark, the character Mark Reese to life at the start of the season, and then suddenly you found out that you were going to have to remove that character. And so it's important to acknowledge why and how this happened because it also affects uh, Kane's character, who will be with us in, in, a, in a second here. So why yeah. don't you tell me what your life was like at the top of season seven in regards to Dalton James and Mark Reese? Well, first of all, the, the umbrella for all this is that in in television, you know, you've got a production schedule, but personnel decisions affect the storytelling. And when personnel decisions change, the storytelling changes. So in the beginning of season seven, which was really the first season, I really was the full on showrunner. And it was important to me. We had a nice uh, going plot. We, we cast a, a hot actor who had come off a series of Robert Urich called Crossroads called Dalton James. And he uh, had the kind of, you know, the kind of attitude, the blue blood attitude we wanted. We wanted someone who was not from Beverly Hills. He was from Bel Air. This is a cut above. This is someone with with connections in Orange County, and you know, he, in the show, he he name drops Rupert, like Rupert Murdoch, yeah, or Spotless Lynch with Rupert in Sydney. He's in, with Rupert in Sydney. You know, yeah. it's just someone who's really on another level, and and Dalton really oozed that, and he did it, and did a, a wonderful job. And as it was in that time, there our actresses had to be so brave because whoever we wrote, they were with, they were with. And uh, and you so you mean so, they if they had a, if they had to kiss the actor there wasn't really much yeah, conversation well, I mean, yeah no I mean look you have to jump in cold water you jump in cold water you know I mean like you know this is what you've done this is this is the 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 the, the, the trade that we've chosen um, and in a way it was pretty wide open then I mean you really wasn't there was no like uh, you know romantic scene coaches who kind of choreographed the kissing and stuff and like it is now and then it was pretty wild the Westie and but you know you know Mark like I said he was he was a, a hot actor Dalton James who played the character Mark Reese was a, a hot actor at the time and uh, you know played the part to a T somewhere so he started in episode two this was episode 14 but I'd say by episode 11 and we'd already written, uh, I'm sure, well, maybe even earlier, maybe like episode fifth or five or six. You'll notice in this episode, the character of Mark Reese and Jenny Garth had not Kelly Taylor had not had Kelly Kelly Taylor had not had not been intimate yet. And this episode, they were supposed to, like, it was really supposed to be about a guy who was a good loser, not a bad loser. Because you show character. When oh, you're you, talking you, about in job. The, the I'm talking about in job. In other words, so we went from second to the end. But got it. Okay. In between, so that was going to happen. But what but what happened about episode six or seven was we got called upstairs, and by that I mean it was Steve Wasserman and I got called up. This has been in it been in the teen drama horror. Uh, yes, or, 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 
Weiss's column. Uh, and and we're, told, we're told, not the only time this has ever happened, but we were told that the chemistry between, you know, one of our stars and, and the guest star we was portraying and romantically involved in was not working. And we were going to have to, we were going to uh, terminate his contract. And uh, in this case, we, we were doing 32 episodes a year, as Chris knows how difficult that was. And the kind of, you know, I'm, I'm always pushing for material. We were way ahead in scripts. And, and Mr. Spelling knew it. And so when he brought us up there, this is going to be delivering us some pretty devastating news, uh, like right probably around uh, November, Thanksgiving, maybe whatever. Mm. And the way he couched it, he couldn't lose. He said to us, and again, I have no knowledge of whether this is true or not, but this was a, you know, he was a master manipulator. He's a great executive producer. And sometimes you, the ends justify the means. But for whatever reason, he said to us, well, I just heard Dalton James is anti-Semitic. And we go, what? He goes, yeah, they, that's what we heard. And Steve and I go, what? We just kind of we brought up our rage or whatever. He said, and he says, I think we have to cut him out. Says, yes, we're going to write him out. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm writing that script. I'm going to write him out right now. And <laughs> so you were charged Steve up. And I, and by the time Steve and I got to the elevator, we went, it's not true, is it? He just did that to, so we, wouldn't, we, we couldn't complain about it. And he got rid of us quickly. You know, like if Chuck was there, Chuck would have fought him. Chuck would have demanded proof. But, you know, it was my first. Right. Uh, Chuck would have definitely demanded Chuck proof. <laughs> well, Chuck might have actually gone the other way. <laughs> I can't tell. Oh, but, right. you know, I'm kind of like, oh, well, we got to write. You know, it's just writing. Uh, you know, at that point, you know, it's just writing. You just sell all rights on another storyline. So we got to write him out. He won't get to get laid. He'll get, he'll get dumped. You know, it's one or the other. And that's where we were. And that's that. But the truth is, I call that the kissing problem because ultimately, there's a leap of faith that happens with the actress and her co-star and they have to have some kind of a trust between them. And perhaps the trust it's in his kiss as we could, <laughs> sub, we could subtitle this. It's in his kiss. And maybe it wasn't in his kiss. And for whatever reason that created the kissing problem, which she didn't want to continue. And at that point she had earned that right to, to be with people that she felt comfortable with. So it was just the way it was. And it ended up a great episode. It did. Lauren Meltzer so did not have, she agrees. They really did not have chemistry. So thank you for that, Lauren. <laughs> um, all right, we're going to bring on our buddy, Kane Pacoy. Uh, listen, I want everybody to know that we were supposed to have Kim Morgan Green here. She's dealing with some personal issues. But so for those of you on the Patreon, we are going to do something with her down the line uh, to talk about her her spot in this episode. But anyway, uh, so, okay, so Dalton James is out, right? And now you well, need Dalton to... James, we have to write him out. The same and, time, more, 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 now we're short Reese of is out. Mark Reese yeah, Mark is out. Reese is out. Now we're short a player. We need another uh, guy. And I think and, Tom and, was, and, 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 and here's the guy, Kate Pacoy. Right. Because we, we needed someone to kind of mix up, you know, we need someone to occupy Kelly. Because I think four episodes later, the, he, he gets a little bit involved with Kelly, which was, uh, uh-huh. was, was good. Because now all of a sudden we have Kelly with nobody. So we kind of have, the, you know, the mourning period of no boyfriend. And then we give her some funny boyfriends. And then we give her, you know, uh, Kane, who, who looked great. And so... Good to see you, Kane. So thank you so much for coming. It was. It took a while to find you, and uh, it was worth it. Uh, because much you know, look, looking at his work again, I mean, just you know, the entrance is great. He's an LA guy, but you swear he's from Buffalo. I mean, the, oh, I, I, it's I, like I, he I, comes I, in there. He's got a roughness to him, and, and I just well, think it's all working. It's all. Kane, working. it is good to see you, man. Uh, how how are you doing? Uh, what's going on with you these days? 
Uh, well, just uh, living here in Los Angeles uh, with my wife. Uh, we live in uh, Lake Balboa, and we have a family business. I have a meal delivery company called Zen Foods, and thank God we're doing well. Busy. Yeah, uh, it's good to see you, man. I want to ask you about coming into this world of Beverly Hills 90210. You were acting at the time, I imagine. Do you yes. remember how you auditioned for the show and, and, and how that all came to be? Um, I, you know, I'd been to, to audition for Mr. Spelling several times, like a bunch of times. Um, and I think I was up for something on Melrose Place. And um, there were several, it was a couple things going on at the time. And um, I thought I was going to actually be doing Melrose Place. And then they said they want, they wanted me to go in and read for 90210. And next thing I know, I was hired. After I read with Jason, oh, so I was going to ask you, what was that process? You read with Jason? Do you do you remember that? Yes, I think uh, I don't know if I went once or twice, but I did read with Jason. Uh, he was actually directing the episode, I believe. Yes, he was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and for Chris, I'm curious uh, to get your take on this. You've seen uh, the the episode. Do you have any any memories of uh, of this process getting into this portion of the season or, or of season seven? No, it was just fun to watch the show. Uh, and then, as associate producer, I'm in charge of post production. So once they shoot it, the film comes to the lab, and then I manage you know the processing of the film, the editors who edit it. And then, you know, working with the producers to get a cut going and showing it to, to Mr. Spelling. And then it goes to the network. Um, and then we go for a sound mix. So I'm, I'm involved with production, but I'm not on this there every day. Right. Um, but what's fun for me is when I watch it, I remember like, like the whole scene with Steve and the lady who tries to pick him up. I forgot her name there, her character. Yeah. Um, uh, the woman was having coffee, the coffee yeah. outside at Century City. Yes. Yeah. Um, we, we looped all that or most yeah. of it. And I remember, like, it's like it was yesterday. Like, oh, I remember we got that line. Oh, we got that line. You know, so there's little post-production things. I recall all that. Well, let oh, me yeah. ask you about this one line. Hang, hang on. uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wanted to ask him about that. <laughs> That's a good sport. Uh, let's yeah. see here. Uh, this, this. Let me. I want to show a quick scene here. Hopefully, the, the buttons work this week. But uh... so you've seen the error of your ways. Oh, yes, I have, and I'm willing to go that extra mile now. That's an excellent attitude adjustment. That's exactly what it takes to be part of the Tasco team. Well, great. Hope you don't have to rush out of town too soon. I was, but plans change. My boss should have headed to Seattle already, so if there's a final evaluation needed, I'd have to stay. Oh, yeah. You'd have to stay. So, uh, where do you propose we do this final test? My hotel room. Although I warn you, it might be an oral. You know. <laughs> <laughs> One of the great takes. <laughs> well, Steve's reaction, Ian's reaction. Steve's reaction is great, yeah. So great. I really wanted Ian to meet Kim again. Uh, yeah, he just, it's really a great double take, really. How do you get it might be an oral um, past? And is that, was that... <laughs> I, you know, it was in the script all along. I mean, uh, just, you know, sometimes, you you know, I don't remember having to fight for it particularly. And maybe just kind of, you know, sometimes they just didn't get the joke, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of delicious. It's uh, the hashtag Steve too, you know? Kane, <laughs> uh, you get brought right into the mix here. I mean, you, you're you going to be working with Tiffany. 
what was that like? What was she like to work with? You you guys are going to be you know working a lot together for for the your whole run there. Right. Um, what was that like? Um, you know, at first I didn't know what to expect, to be honest with you, because when you go into a situation like that where you know it's a pre-existing family kind of situation, you don't know if there's any drama going on. Um, but I actually found it really fun. There weren't any problems. I didn't notice any problems on set or any drama. Everyone just got along as if, you know, like, uh, like as if everyone was in college or something. Uh, like we all lived in the, in the same apartment building. It was, uh, everyone was friendly. The crew was amazing. The producers were very gracious. Everyone was amazing. I had a blast. Did you know any of the uh, actors beforehand? Did you know Brian Austin Green? He knew uh, no, everybody. No, <laughs> I didn't know anybody. I mean, I met Jason. Um, I had done a TV show with his girlfriend at the time uh, called uh, LA Firefighters. Uh, it was a pilot for Fox. Mm -hmm. And he came down to the set uh, quite often. Um, and we became friendly after that, uh, but we didn't hang out. Um, but he was awesome. I mean, everybody was awesome. I mean, my first day, uh, I didn't feel nervous at all. I mean, they just were so welcoming. So it was a great experience. What was your first scene? Do you remember? Yeah, my first scene was walking into oh, the the pizza uh, yeah. club, I guess. Yeah, that's the opening scene. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, that was it, and that was actually the first scene they shot. So um, it was uh, that was kind of weird. I mean, it felt awkward going in because I didn't really, I wasn't introduced formally to anyone other than Tiffany. Um, so, but it worked out, you know. Sure. And, and, you know, I mean, you're, you, you know, obviously, you know, this is a huge show. At, I mean, by season seven, it's a massive, massive show. Um, so you kind of touched on that be, it being a Is it intimidating? What is some people in the that have come on here say coming into that world is very intimidating and they kind of get overwhelmed with it. They don't want to make any mistakes. What were you kind of feeling in in walking in that first day? Don't forget your lines. <laughs> um, yeah, that was it. Um, you know, it's like being the new kid in, in school. Um, you know, you got those butterflies. You're kind of nervous. You don't know anyone. So I like the odd men out. Um, but that quickly dissipated. I got to be honest with you. Everyone was so cool. Um, but, you know, I mean, I known the show was really popular at that point. Uh, I... To be honest with you, I really never watched the show. Right. Mm -hmm. I really didn't. I mean, I was just, you know, a lot of those shows I didn't watch. Um, and uh, so I wasn't familiar. All I knew about, you know, that Jason and um, uh, what's his name were brothers to Shannon Doherty were brothers and right. whatever. Uh, and that, um, um, what's his name, uh, had left the show. Sorry. Oh, um, Luke. Luke. Yeah. Um, sorry. Uh, and that's all I knew. So I, that's, I mean, I wasn't kept up on who was going out with who. I didn't know any of that. So I just had a. You did know that it was brought, you were brought on for what, seven episodes or whatever the, whatever the run was going to be. Yeah. Um, and did you, I mean, how do you start to develop and create Tom in this, in this world? Uh, basically we just made it up as we went along. I mean, I, I just followed the writing, um, they cast me thinking I was a kid, you know, from the wrong side of the tracks for some reason. Uh, that's what they thought. Um, 
And uh, so I just, I gave him that. Um, you know, I, I played him uh, as close to me as possible. Um, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't do any research or anything on, you know, his background, some background. I just went along with what the script said. I mean, did yeah. you, yeah. you yeah, didn't know anything about the show, but did you try to figure out a couple of things of where the show was at that time? Did you, do you do any research of like, okay, Valerie has moved in because Brent left or do you, or you just go in blind and that's it. We'll figure it out as we get there. Well, yeah, yeah. I did get the, the gist of what was going on prior. You know, like yeah. I, I, I was briefed. I think my little sister briefed me. Nice. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and some of my my girlfriends they briefed me, so I knew who was sleeping with who or who was doing what to who. I was aware of that. I didn't know where I was going to fit in. You know? Right. So I mean, I guess they had me going out with uh, uh, um, Kelly afterwards, I and mean, yeah. I was. Who's next, Jason? Well, yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> <laughs> no, so I mean, the, the, Kelly, well, no, the Kelly thing is we need, you know, again, we, we had a big hole in the Kelly storyline. So, you know, we had, we needed to, and, and the thought we, uh, you know, at that point, I, I wanted to have Kelly and Brandon get back together, but I wanted to make it tough. So, uh, yeah, so he was going to become useful. But I think what's really touching and seeing the stuff now, and I, I feel good about the performance and also about the writing, because it was a very dimensional character. They had this great uh, past with uh, with uh, Valerie and Tom, and you know they shared a lot of stuff. And he's the only one who knows the secret about her father, which at that point we didn't really even know that whole story. We just kind of threw that out there to be mined later, like right. I was going to like I was going to be there, but. Uh, they did. Um, they, they followed up on it, Larry. Don't worry. I know. I know they did. I mean, because it was rich, and uh, and you know, the, and and then within Tom, though, just again, he's the outsider in the group, like Valerie. So it was really good to give her someone to have there. And then and then once we bring him and Kelly together, well, she hates Kelly, so that's going to really piss her. So in other words, we, we're starting to get we're starting to keep the triangles going. It's all about triangles and all these triangles in motion in the way we're writing this stuff as we get to our end game, which at this season for me was going to be Brandon and Kelly getting back together. Larry, there was a lot of questions on the patron about uh, keeping Tom on the show and why was he there only for seven episodes? And did you ever, ever have a conversation like, Hey, I like this guy. I want to, I want to keep moving with him. Was there anything like that? And this is, I'm for sure, very informative for Kane as well. Now all these years, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we, we were very happy with the work Kane was doing. It was all working. Uh, and I should say, I would think you'd be having some impact. You were pe people were recognizing you on the street, Kane, and everything and stuff. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he was, you know, it was a good character. He, he was a good guy, and we had to give him a little bit of a heel turn toward the hockey game stuff because we, you yeah. know, but I, I mean, he was kind of. Again, he exits him with this ring, which is again Kelly going back to Brandon. So, uh, so we didn't need him at that time. I think we had hired him for. I think the contracts then, uh, I could be right, right or wrong, was seven out of ten. You kind of book him for ten, but they have to be within seven episodes within that span of ten. And he had, had done that thing. Now again, there was so much going on at that time, and I'm not sure if Chris was aware of it either, but. It was the end of college, just like job is about becoming adults. Well, all these right. kids are wondering now, what are we going to do after college? And, and some deals are being signed. Jason's deal hasn't been signed. I mean, it's, there's a lot of things in flux. No one knows what's going on, mostly me. But I just kind of chugging along because I don't want to make any calls. And, I, you know, at that point, uh, 
I could say weren't really I in the position, maybe to no, no. You were fighting over the Spice Girls, so I don't think they. Well, that was late, that was later on the fight of the Spice Girls, but it was all, it was all ending a job. The job was a you know I, I think when I came back in January, I was trying to get reassurances that I was coming back. You know, right, and it just wasn't getting answers. You know, so it was already like oh well, but again, there was too much work to be done to really worry about that. And in job, I think what's really great about job is it really uh, gives you a little glimpse of what the future is going to be like or could be like for the for the this group after college. And I think it's really a a good theme show, you know. And I don't think uh, we we actually had. T- did you ever shoot in the college, Tom? Yeah, you must have. Over the years, you must have shot in the college set. But in this particular episode, I don't think Valerie goes to the uh, the job. She's fair. there. She she's is there. The, she's at the college, but she doesn't go to necessarily to the job fair. But, but I the, that all pulled in pretty good, though. I was really pretty definitely. happy with the way that looked, and you know, we had a lot of money then. I think Chris, because uh, the it looked like a big production, lots of extras. We shot in Century City. Oh, my God. Uh, and we shot at the beach in this. I mean, I love the beach stuff. We, really, we, we made a whole day at the beach. We had people walk one way. Liz says you were cute then, oh. cute now. So there, uh, thank you, Liz. <laughs> there you go. Liz. Hey, I have a fun tidbit. To share. <laughs> What's Chris's tidbit? What, what do you got? When, when Kane and Tiffany are watching the home movies and there's the flashback, um, nice. the, and her, she, he shoots and her father kills himself. But the insert of the guy in the floor was Steve Wasserman, executive producer. I know, I know. And I, know. I can We're only, so I, happy. yeah, and I don't know why it was shot that way, other than maybe we couldn't, sh- wasn't scripted that way originally, and it was asked for after the fact, so it was an insert. And then if an insert would require, like, if we wanted that guy to pay him a fee to bring him back, the dad. So, but Steve says, "I'll do it," and I remember Steve getting all excited because I'll do it, I'll do it, I want to do it. Absolutely. So you're Absolutely. saying this this image here, this is Steve Wasserman? Steve this Wasserman, is Steve yeah. Wasserman, who just happened to look like the dad in the uh, in the home video from the, the, the prom times. He was so uh, excited to do that. Steve <laughs> was great in that. And I wish he was getting royalties on that somewhere in, uh, in writer's heaven or, or heaven heaven. Um, uh, I, I do want to show the scene with you and Tiffany watching the video. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's really great. You know, we have a lot of problems with YouTube with music and all that, but we're going to play it for a little bit and just get your thoughts on doing some of this stuff, Kane. Okay. God. That's my father. I forgot he was on the tape. All right, I'm going to cut it because they'll freak out. But so pretty, some pretty heavy stuff. Um, this is, you know, I mean, even heavy for 90210. Uh, I'm curious for you, Kane, working with her and doing some of this stuff. Do you have memories of that? Vague, very vague memories. But I just remember it being very easy. Um, I don't know when we shot that scene. If it was like within, I think it was in the first week. But... Um, I don't remember having any hard times or difficult times with uh, with her or anyone on that show, for that matter. I mean, it just was felt pretty easy for all of us. As an actor, maybe they thought I sucked. I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, I'm curious. So, as an actor, you get this heavy stuff. This is stuff, the kind of stuff that you want to be doing, yeah. Yeah, 
I mean, anytime, any opportunity back then to act, you know, now it's things have changed, obviously, but you, know, but you live for back then. So, hey, hey Aaron, what did you think of the Tom character? I liked him. I was going to ask, actually, what did you, Larry, um, like about what Tom kind of brought out of Valerie? I just, you know, it gave her a comfort zone in a way, you know, someone to really talk to. It's kind of like what we had with Ginger, but Ginger was just stabber in the stabber in the back, probably. So, so we had the two characters from Buffalo, but uh, you know, Tom was really, you know, the guy who really he still had a torch for her. I mean, I love the line she says. I mean, I did write the script, so I had love. But she, I think she says, uh, "He was your first boyfriend," and she goes, "That too." And she says, right. "He was my first. He was my first. And someone goes, "Boyfriend?" She goes, "Yeah, that too." Tracy in it, yeah. Tracy, yeah. yeah. That, so that was kind of cute. So they, you know, so they, you know, they really were kids together. And that someone like that is is so important in someone's life. And uh, no, I mean, I would have brought him back because it was my character. I got paid on it. Okay, every time he appeared. So of course he would have been coming back. But unfortunately, he tied his 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 self to my. You know, I sunk him. I sunk the Tom character. I, I'm sorry. Lori says, I kind of think Tom brought out Val's vulnerability too, but I think he did that out of Tiffany, the actor as well. I think that there is a really nice chemistry between the two of you and some of this stuff. Uh, so it's really, really, really great to see. Aaron, do you have any other questions for Kane? Um, we touched on this a little, but um, I was wondering what Kane remembers about filming that first scene with Brian Austin Green, because I thought you had a really good um, kind of a confrontational moment where I think um, you say something, or uh, you say, look, dude, why don't you just go back to screwing in your light? <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, Bill's Mafia. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, well, to be honest with you, that day, I do remember having, you know, some stomach issues, you know, so I was just kind of, you know, getting that, those butterflies in my stomach and it just made it worse, you know? Mm. So I just remember feeling a little sweaty around the forehead area, you know, nervous coming in. And there's this guy, uh, Brian Austin Green, who I really didn't have any interaction with him prior. So, you know, he comes across like he comes across. And so it, it was just natural, put it to that way. Um, but after that, we became friendly. He was a, he was a very sweet guy, very sweet yeah. guy. It seems to be all the way around people saying that. Love Brian. Um, yeah. Always love Brian. Um, you know, you do stay on the show and do some really cool things outside of Jobbed. And I wanted to ask you about the hockey. Larry kind of mentioned oh. the hockey thing. Were you, we talked a little beforehand, so I know the answer to this, but were you really into hockey before uh, before doing this stuff? Uh, no. No. I have two left feet. <laughs> I was so not into hockey. Jason actually, you know, bless him, tried to give me lessons and stuff like that. I did some – I could skate forward. That's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, that's you, great. You, you, yeah. I couldn't stop. Good job editing there, Chris. Good job <laughs> editing. I, go, I can go left, right, and, you know, do you know do a circle, a really big circle. Um, but then there was a segment where they had me uh, going backwards and facing off with Jason's character. And, you know, he was trying to work with me. I couldn't do it. I was just – I just couldn't do it. And had all the gear on, so they rigged up some kind of ice dolly or something. And camera's point of view, yeah, yeah. And uh, it was so awkward because I had to kind of like do this kind of like, you know, fake left and right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so bad. I mean, my family still teases me about it. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm not kidding. I have people who are like, oh, you're that idiot with the. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, no. Um, but my family, my wife teases me about it constantly. Bless her. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was, and it came across. I thought, like, I came out just for like two seconds. The rest of the stuff they made look make, made me look decent, but that two second kind of quick thing. Where I'm... <laughs> I, I, I blame Chris. I blame. Chris. Look just like oh, it. thank you. <laughs> yeah, we always love hearing these stories about people rec getting recognized. I was talking to someone yesterday who told me that the, from when she was on the show that as soon as she woke up one morning and then the next day she went to the bank and everybody knew who she was because she had done uh, 90210. Did you have a similar experience? Um, yeah, I did actually for, for a while that, that year. Um, you know, I remember being in Vegas with my family and, you know, being recognized a few places. Um, but I didn't like, I, you know, I, I don't know. I didn't go to very many places that where I would be recognized, I guess. I mean, I'm, so yeah, but it, but it did happen to me once in a while. For, you know, are, oh my God, are you, are you Tom? That yeah. Kind of for the first year. Yeah. For that, for that, during that, that season. Yes. It happened all the time, but, um, but after that, dissipated. Any any recents, like, you know, from doing the food business? I have uh, to ask you, know, you a weird question. <laughs> you know. Know, actually, now that you mention it, I was actually trying, not for the not for our business, but I was trying to find someone online that knew how to build, build uh, tiki bars, outdoor tiki bars. So I contacted this couple and... Uh, we started going back and forth on on emails, and I guess she looked me up. She was, "You're an actor. You were on 90210, weren't you?" <laughs> <laughs> wow! It's Remember that thing. I've got a, a recognition story where yeah. um, it was one of the earlier years when I was a, a production PA, and there was a rap party on Sunset Boulevard, and we're excited to go. And we drive up in my car, and all the paparazzi are out front, and we pull the car up to the valet, and the paparazzi come with their cameras, and then. And then you hear you, you open your car door and you hear the paparazzi say, "Oh, they're nobody." <laughs> <laughs> and I said to my wife, "Welcome to Hollywood." Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing, Chris. I'm sure being and I know fans have asked me, and I said this beforehand about you talking about some of the later seasons. So we'll do some of that. But I'm curious about uh, you know the this season or your experiences from from being with season two, do you have any good ADR stories and things of that nature that you wanted to share with us here? Any tidbits? There's, well, there's a couple of good ones, but um, one was with Luke and he had a call for ADR. Now we were in Studio City on uh, the Radford lot, they call it, for the ADR and the, the stages were in Van Nuys, so about five miles away or so. Um, so you'd make an appointment for the actor to come over and they would come over. But this particular day, he'd wanted to, he only had like 10 minutes of work, wanted to get in, get out, but there's assigned parking spots. And the ADR mixer, this gentleman Weldon, is very strict about you park here and you park, you know, so there's no issues because it's just, it goes smooth. Everyone parks where they're supposed to park. So Luke doesn't park where he's supposed to park. He parks right next to the door and comes in and Weldon says, no, you got to move. And he's, no, I'm not moving. I got to, it'll take 10 minutes. Take me longer to move the car, but I can be done. So fine, we do it. And then when we come out, there's this man sitting on the couch with his hat on, uh, sunglasses and his cane on the end of the couch. Young man, you're in my spot. And Luke, oh, sorry, sir, I'm very sorry. And he didn't know who it was and he walks out and he goes to get in his car and the angle that he had on me in the, in the glass door, 
he reads the name and he and his mouth oh and james gardner <laughs> but he didn't he didn't come back in to apologize he was like he just sheepishly got in his car and drove off <laughs> <laughs> any other good adrs uh the other one a friend reminded me this morning was a q one with jason where we had an appointment for him to come over to adr and the set said he's wrapped he's gone he left like two hours have gone by and he's not here yet you know figuring an hour is okay give him some time but he's not there and he's not there. And we finally get a hold of him on a cell phone and we hear christmas music in the background We're like where are you Oh, I'm at the Glendale Galleria Christmas shopping. I'll be over in half an hour. Busy on the set and had to go out and get some gifts and stuff. <laughs> uh, Larry, there's a lot of other things happening in this episode we should talk about. Uh, do, do, do we have any other questions for Kane? Let me see if anyone has any questions for Kane before we... I was just texting Mark Sussman, Chris. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Nope. Uh, well, so I'm sure that will pop up. But I, I want to ask you, Larry, about the other thing that's happening here. We kind of talked a little bit about it, but she was supposed to be here to talk about this. This uh, this indecent proposal is that? I don't know if that's the movie. No, no. I think it's just it's uh, actually uh, you know it's it's like a, it is a Demi Moore story though. It's not it's not a decent proposal. It's something else in Skull, where she kind of uh, is accused of sexual harassment. Yeah, I just with Michael. Harris. Indecent. What is it? Disclosure. Indecent? Disclosure. 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 That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is way before that, but you know, again, we always kind of twist it. It's like you know, what could what could go wrong with Steve's life, you know? And so it really works well, uh, you know, as a relationship story between him and his girlfriend because she kind of teased this whole interview up for him. She's she's behind it all, and then of course he's got this man eater he has to uh, please. And and Kim Morgan Reed does a wonderful job being very, you know, like, you know, uh, I actually had met someone like this who worked for the Miss Teen America thing. So I think that character is in my head. Right. And and she really uh, does deliver on this. And she's a great sport on it. And and Ian, I think, really enjoyed working with it because he just is flying. I mean, some of his takes are the best thing he's ever done. He, she told me, I did talk to her briefly before we came on the air, and apparently that they worked together after this, too, uh, sure. in a similar thing in an indie film. So uh, we'll definitely get her back here. Um, and I thought Kathleen's great, the stuff with him, her, and... and Again, I mean, it's a great part of the relationship story. She really wants him to succeed, and he's going to, he thinks she thinks he screwed it up. And then in the end, they kind of do a little bit of a sting, uh, and they catch the uh, harasser. You know, this is way before, you know, things like that were done and you know certainly it was uh, it happened a lot in our industry so we we could tell that story easily uh kane working with do you remember working with ian or kathleen robertson at all uh i believe worked i worked with uh, ian uh he was hysterical he's a very funny guy yeah funny, yeah Chris, uh, yeah, go ahead. and kathleen kathleen no i mean uh other than her being the same scene briefly that's about it yeah Chris, what about those guys? Any any ADR? I mean, I think you said the ADR for this was definitely the stuff with uh, Ian and Century City. Yeah. So much yeah. ADR feels like for this episode. Yeah, yeah. Well, it just depends. You know, locations are picked because of their their beauty, not because of their sound. They sound great. Um, you just have to deal with the moment, and you have the sound department do the very best microphones they can, and and get good sound. And if not, then we have to replace a few lines. But it's it really comes down to the dialogue and the story, and can the audience hear it. And understand it and you know aaron spelling never wanted the audience to, like lean forward and say what did they just say you know he, he didn't want you to sit back on the couch and relax and enjoy the show hey you know what's cool 
Kim Morgan Green had to do the oral scene twice. <laughs> she had to do it live, and then she had to do it again in ADR. That's right. It does, it does, appear, it does appear that way. Um, uh, Linda wants to know, Kane, uh, did you think you should have, Tom should have wound up with Valerie? Uh, well, I don't know, Larry, what do you think? I, you know, I, like <laughs> I said, you were going to, it was definitely, you, you were not going to go away because you were too significant in her life. As long as she was there, you were going to somehow be around. So yeah. I, I would get down facts. I think uh, we even brought her mother in the episode you leave, uh, Michelle Phillips. Because do you I, remember that? You got to work with the mom, with the mamas and the yeah. papas. Hey, yeah, that's, I remember that. What, what was that like? You, uh, you got that, to meet her. I didn't even get to meet her. I never went to the set. I've never seen her actually on, on the show when I'd watched it before. She was on it before, right? Yeah. yeah. I um, so. No, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, she was. Wasn't she? I don't, think, I, I don't, I don't, think, think, I don't think she was on until you till that episode mix. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had seen her on something, and the makeup guy—I forgot his name. The guy with the glasses. Nick, Nick. Nick was one of them. Yeah, he goes. That's this is Michelle Phillips. You know who Michelle Phillips is, right? I'm like, mamas and papas. Goes, yeah, and then he started telling me all these stories from the early '70s when they all used to hang out. I was like, wow, really? <laughs> Crazy stuff. And she sat next to me, you know, after he told me, after he told me all this stuff, she came and sat next to me. I was like, wow. Yeah. Wild, pretty wild days, you know. Why, why can't we be three? Why can't we be three? I think that was the whole thing, you know. Oh. Something like that. Yeah. It was like everybody was doing everything to everybody back in yeah. those days. Well, we're going to try to get her on one day, too. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, Lisa wants to know, for Kane, for Kane, what was your favorite scene to film? Gosh, um, there were a couple scenes. All my stuff that with Valerie was just fun to do. There was one scene, um, I think it was the last scene I shot, where um, Valerie and I are. She's pouring me a drink of scotch, uh, and um, Jason actually <laughs> a real bottle of Johnny Walker Blue. <laughs> Trying to celebrate my last day there, so wow. Like a, a five or six, yeah, uh, Larry, you know, you didn't know about it. Uh, didn't know about that. It was uh, the SAG tour. Didn't know. Uh, it was, you know, it was fun. It's cool. That was my team. It was nice because everybody was sad to me. It was fun. It was a nice yeah. day. It was my last day. Uh, well, that's. Really good stuff. Um, okay, I think for Tom, for Tom was going Tom for Kane. I think we're good with Kane. I want to talk about a couple more things that are happening in this episode, Larry. We've got Donna Martin's dad, uh, you know, messing and, all and, and the whole Dryer scholarship thing. and the Dryer gotta, scholarship. Gotta, gotta, Kane, gotta, I, I just wanted to thank you for stopping by, and I wanted to just say, man, yeah. listen. I think you know the fans kept asking to have you on here because you did incredible work back in the day. I know you're doing some awesome stuff, but uh, man, be proud of this work because it's really, really awesome stuff. Thank you. Thank you. You're, you're a part of it, man. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you, Kane. Cool. All right. So it was good seeing him, right, Larry? Great. It was Just fun. Great. No, he had great presence. I mean, really, he was strong. Um, I wanted to ask you, Larry, about the Donna Martin thing, right? We have Donna Martin. And, and, and what I love, that, and we talked about this on Patreon, what I loved about what you were doing was you were giving a, a little insight into what might be happening with these kids 
in season eight. I know that you maybe didn't intend for that, but you're you're you don't know what everyone's going to be doing. But you're certainly doing this job fair, and now you test Donna Martin's um, receptionist skills, right? You know, again, there's there's a, you know, and as Chris knows, we're, we're telling stories by you know with, with with a story, B story, C story, D story. So is the Donna Martin the C story or the D story? I don't know, but there, but all the stories in this episode really are good. And this particular story, you know, I, I wrote the script, but, but everyone is part of the actual story because I got to tell the story to everybody. Everybody gets a chance to whack at it. So when we got to the uh, the Donna Martin one, uh, the way I saw it was really kind of like that scene in in uh, It's a Wonderful Life where where James Stewart's brother screws up at the bank, and it's like terrible things are going to happen. So that just became the shorthand as we do as we're laying in the stories and building an episode. So Donna Martin, it's, you know, she and. and and you see it now, you know, again, we, we set Donna up because everyone expects, you know, again, she's worried about her future. Can she really handle being an adult? And we, we set her up and she looks like she's miserably failing. And then she saves her father's father's ass because her father's so stressed. He makes a mistake because he hasn't listened to his patients, which was a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> and, uh, a pet peeve about doctors. Sometimes they don't listen uh, to people when they should. And uh, and she saves the day, and, and in a way, she get, it gives her confidence. Her her job story becomes a you know kind of a, a winning story. And I thought that you know Michael Durrell, we've never had in the show, and I hope he's well. I fear that he's not; he's ailing somehow. Right. But uh, he does a beautiful job in this episode. And, uh, yeah, he's great. And, and um, it's a good father daughter thing. It's it just works out really well. I love I love this stuff, and there's all this stuff about the cat and the, and mixing up. The medicines and all, all, all of this. Uh, you yeah. told me in Patreon that you re you actually researched this this information, right? I think, uh, and I'm, I'd like to think that Jessica helped me here because she was always the, the medical expert. But I think uh, we have uh, you can't take beta blockers if you if you're smoking nicotine. I think there was some kind of a thing we found that that kind of was 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 going to really cause harm. Yeah. I, uh, th I, I believe that's correct. Our friend Chris wants to know, you'll love this, uh, who wrote for Donna to say, maybe she's out with the cat? Who leaves the house with a cat? <laughs> That's a good question. Larry. It just shows you how, how confused Donna is. But some people leave it. You know, I've got friends who pick up their cats and take them for walks, you know? So it's not yeah, I have great. In I LA, not with a leash. They just carry them around. You know, they want, See, there's birds over there. See, you know, like there's a squirrel. <laughs> You know, my, my friend used to live in the Venice Canals. There are the ducks, you know, like, come on, let's go. So, yes, uh, Chris, it does happen. Before we talk about the dryer thing and some of the other stuff, I want to ask Chris, you know, you've had a lot of time working with the various people. I'm just going to ask you about a few of them that have come in and done ADR, uh, particularly from this season. You know, what about Kathleen? I asked Kane about uh, Kathleen Robertson. Did you remember doing some stuff with her? Yeah, nothing specific comes to my head right away because it's all so long ago, but she was great. Everyone was awesome. I mean, it's just, it was a big, giant family. And that's the one thing with a long running series. And Larry, I think you talked about at the beginning of the show, but it's a tight knit group and um, it's a big, busy group. I mean, everyone's responsible for their jobs and um, works hard and it's, it's fun. I don't know. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't have any specific stories on Kelly. I'm trying to think back. 
But what about <laughs> your spelling stories? Because you had to do a Mr. Spelling also. I just remember right. you, you'd be bringing, you'd be going by Renee with the uh, videos and having yes. the old man's room and see him eating hot dogs and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Well, there was, actually, there was one time, I'm trying to schedule Tori for some ADR, and I guess she wasn't feeling that great. And I was politely pushing her, trying to coerce her to come to the ADR stage. And I'm recording other things on the ADR stage. And then I get a phone call or over the speaker from the booth in the back. He says, Chris, you have to come back. There's a phone call. I said, well, just patch it to my phone here. No, you need to come in the back for this one. And I pick up the phone and it was Aaron calling for me. And um, he says, are you trying to schedule Tori for some ADR? And I said, yes, sir. And he goes, can you do it any day but today? Just do it any day but today. So I said, absolutely. And then we just got it up a day or two after. There you go. But I guess yeah, I, was, asked, I asked once too many times and, you know. Yeah. That's that. Chris. Chris. You took care of that. We'll take care of Chris. That? Yeah, that's not a good thing. Chris, there's spellings on the line. Yeah, I'm, I would pull over if I got that call. <laughs> you know, because we all had bad, bad car phones in the 90s, too. We all had these stupid, um, you know, what was called mobile phones. I, I love that you, guys, you would purposely drive into the valley so that the phone can't would... hear you. The valleys, we were in, I'm in the canyon. I'm in the canyon. Can't hear you. Yeah, that was in the canyon, was a, a big, you know, for 10 years, when everyone had that, you, there was no reception. See, and we had to go to the canyon because the studio was on the other side of the, of the hill. <laughs> right. Um, so, Courtney wants to know this, and I know Larry answered this already, but where did, where did Kelly's final line to Mark come from? Please tell oh. me. If there's oh, uh, something in Larry's life. Uh, okay, I'm going to tell a story. I've never told it. <laughs> oh, jeez. I paid a friend of mine called Trader Fred. Trader Fred lives on Martha's Vineyard, which is where I am right now. This is like 19th. So I've been here a long time. <laughs> Trader Fred was telling me this story. <clears throat> and and the story was kind of like that line. I said, you know, I'm, I need that line. I said, I need that line. <laughs> Sell me the line. What do you want for it? He says, $200. I said, great. Here it is. And then I adapted the line. But the line is great. And then the line also became a line in a song I wrote. So I basically took the line out of the song and and turned it into the blow off of Mark. And, you know, it takes a while to set up because, you know, Kelly has to say, hey, I tried you on your phone. I tried you on your cell phone. Oh, she has to set the thing up. You, you, know, so. you, you were weaving. weaving were... It in. I, I mean, I, was, I, I set it up really well. And then he yeah. says, you know, yeah. You, you, but then he really hits him with some hard stuff. You really blew it, baby. You could have been a Reese. I mean, again, he's such a bad loser. That's what was so great. And as, as I was saying before, he could have been a good winner. He could have been a good loser. And then he would have slept with her that night. See, that, it, could have, it was up in the air. But at right. that point, I was writing him out. He, we already knew he was doomed. So I wrote that episode so with that knowledge. So, yeah, I mean, then, then she says, you want to be a millionaire. You just bet someone. And every time your phone rings, it's not me. You'll be right every time. I love, I love <laughs> and, that. And, uh, yeah, so Trader Fred, yeah, he's the guy. Trader Fred Muscoli. He's actually appeared in a couple of Fairley Brothers movies also. He's, he's, a, local, he's a local hero on the island. Todd H. doesn't usually ask questions. I'm going to ask it. I don't think anybody here will have the answer to it. I have an odd question. Are the 90210 film tapes in storage somewhere? And does Chris know if they still exist in the original production? I don't know that you I'm would sure, know. I'm sure you they know, do. There's, well, we were, we were shot on film. And there was a process where you would hire a, um, a negative cutter in the old days to cut the negative for storage. But what they ended up doing was um, save the ins and get rid of the outs. So anything that's in the show, you'd have a negative pull list. And you pull those pieces of negative and put them in a box. 
And I heard that the, the main storage for stuff like that is like an assault mine underneath Kansas for you know archival storage. Um, but Paramount controls that now, so I have no idea where they are. But there was a point where they were on Seward Avenue in a vault. I know that for a fact. Um, and I was in them as other spelling shows were in there as well. So you're saying the the so any outtakes would be gone? You're saying, or do do you or the outs are, were saved as well? No, on film in on the film, the actual original film. It's my understanding that they would only put the stuff that's in the show in long term storage, and everything else I don't think was hung on to. Oh, that's sad. No, I think yeah. yeah. Well, we thir we sixteen or or, thir or thirty five. We were thirty five. Um, mm -hmm. And then we turned into that was a, what they call four four perf show. So for every frame, there's like four little sprocket holes next to it. But then um, there was a technology that came called three perf film, where it's three films instead of a little bit of a gap between the negative. Now the negative or the images are really 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 close together, and it saves you a percentage, you know, on the end. Yeah, that's um, I'm curious, Chris. This is just a throwout question, and we're going to talk about the dryer for everybody that's wondering. But I'm I'm curious. Was there ever something that got lost, or, or or something that didn't work out on film, where you guys had to go back and reshoot something because of an, an issue? With well, this? it was yeah. There was one one time I was very early in, in being the associate producer, probably during like season four or five. But I get a phone call in the middle of the night that what what happened was the film went in the soup, and what that means is when it's developing, it's basically a long continuous like a thousand foot roll of film, and then it goes through these different baths at the lab at night and it's your show plus all the other shows that have shot that day come in there for processing. Well, they splice them together, but once in a blue moon, the splice will break. So then your film stays in the process too long and it's spoiled. You had to call it the soup. But I remember I called Kenny Miller, my boss at like three o'clock in the morning and, and it was the first time anything that's happened to me. I was worried, like, I got to call someone. And Kenny's like, thanks for the call. He said, but there's nothing you or I can do about it now. Just get a full assessment in the morning and call me. And you just have to go in and figure out here's what we here's what was shot based on the camera reports. Here's what we're missing, and then what we, if I'm not mistaken, what we try to do is edit the show together and find out do we really need this scene for the story. Um, I don't remember what scene it was at all, but yeah, there's been times we lost it in the soup. Mm. How does that go over? Well, it's Up just top. it's part of business. I mean, it's part you know, of it's part, you're, hopefully it's part you're of the technology. Set. Was yeah, there hopefully it's a standing set, you know, ever a situation when you presented an edit from a director or two to a producer or writer where they saw the edit and everything was wrong and they wanted to recut some stuff? I'm sure that's happened somewhere along the way, right? Well, I mean, I my TV grad school was the spelling screenings, and Larry can probably attest to that too. The, the man was awesome, and then sometimes yeah. people come out that think he's crazy, but I always felt and understood. He wasn't giving you a note from Aaron Spelling. He was he was giving you the third person the audience, the the audience. viewer note all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, there was times even he also recognized what, you know, as our the editing team and the editors knew the cutting pattern and the style he liked, but you have to present the director's cut. So the what happens, in, and I'll keep it short, but the editor gets the dailies and they assemble the show, then they sit with the director and, and he gets to choose how he wants to present it to the producers. And then we would go show it to Mr. Spelling. And nine times out of 10, if their scene wasn't working right, he would stop, stop, stop. And he would look at the editor and he'd say, put it back the way you had in your editor's cut. I don't need to see it. I'm sure you did it right. And he would respect the editors of what the work they were doing and the work they knew how to do. Um, mm. He was also very good if, um, 
the scene order, if the script was written, you know, scene one, two, three, four, and five, six, and it just wasn't flowing properly, he'd watch it and he'd stop and he'd look at the, the continuity sheet, which is a piece of paper that lists the scenes in a short description of each scene. And he says, okay, here's what we're gonna do, write this down. He says, we're gonna go from scene five to scene three, to scene two, then to one, then back, and, and he says, put that together, it'll work. He didn't I mean, see it again. I mean, we would do that too with the director's cut. Directors were kind of guests. They got the first cut, but they really didn't get close to a final cut, unlike film, which is the director's yeah. medium. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, you know, it's important what, what, what Chris said about Mr. Spelling, because he really did see things like the audience. And what you said before was he didn't want people just saying, what did they just say? He wanted to have clear audio. He, that was his sensibility. And, you know, a lot of his success was having that point of view. Fernando says, Pete Ferro, this question is for you. Are you ever going to invite or at least talk about Vanessa Marcel because she was one of my favorite kind of extras that came on after the original? Yes, I was so heartbreaking when she left the show. I felt bad. So there you have it. I just asked, I'm just brought, you, brought up what you wanted to know about right there. Uh, Chris, do you remember working with Vanessa at all? There you go. Yes. Fernando. Yeah. Good experiences. Yes. Good. I you can no do it. I had no issues. I, you know, the funny, the other question I get a lot is, how was it work? To, how was it to work with Shannon? And she was awesome for me. I mean, no issues at all. But I would hear stories. I never, you know, yeah, heard the girls well, had I mean, issues together. But she was saw, awesome for me. You saw her work in the editing room, so you know, she's and Larry has said this before how talented she really is. You know, she I mean? went through very few takes. For you know, she was always uh, always knew her lines. She was she was a you know had a you know a memory. Just she could do it. Mm -hmm. Photograph, photographic memory. Uh, Larry, let's talk about this Dryer Fellowship. Well, look, okay, so here we are. It's I mean, a very big deal in the world of 90210 to get a dryer. It's a big uh, deal. The dryer, you know, it's, you know, all the greatest people in the world have dryer scholarships. Um, no, look, we, uh, again, in setting, the, in setting the kids up for the adult world, you know, we have this chance to really, uh, you know, what's Brandon going to do? I mean, we got to give him some some auspices. He's been on the paper. He's been in the, in, on the TV station. But now he's got to be recognized in some, you know, big, big organizations. And there's also you know, you get, there's money that goes with these things. And so, you know, I created basically a big prize kind of, you know, like some of those great college prizes or, you know, uh, Rhodes Scholars, you know, th that kind of stuff. And just created the name, The Dryer. It just, you know, I don't know. It's just kind of whatever. I just don't remember really why I came up with that, but it sounded good. And again, it was a chance to put, to, to get Kelly in the middle of Brandon and Mark. Mm -hmm. Which was going to be good. Another triangle situation puts her. And in, also, she's with, Tracy would have a little bit of. Play. And Tracy too, right. which I really enjoyed in the beginning of it, because Tracy knows more than Kelly in the beginning. She knows that Brandon's, of course, going for the dryer. Kelly doesn't know, but Kelly knows Mark's going for it. So again, we create this situation where we're involving a lot of people in this thing already, which is which is good for the storytelling. It's vertically integrating, which we need to do. We want our characters playing with our characters. So. Yeah, so you got this thing there, and now it's, you know, Brandon is going to be an adult. Okay, it's a doggy dog world out there. Now he's going against the guy who already knows the answers to the test. It's a classic situation. He's so connected, and it's like dumbfounding to Brandon. And so Brandon kind of wins in his innocence in a way, and going, you know, and, you know, I, I knew I was going to do something. I, and I, you know, look, Jason was directing that. I really wanted to please Jason. And also, I wanted Jason to bless me for the next year. It was very important right. to me. So I cast Yule Hauser, who was phenomenal. He plays like, you know, Bumpkin from Minnesota, 
Did you, you know who he is, right, Chris? Yeah. You oh, yeah. Well, he's big in California. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's like a star. He's an iconic guy. And he's so, and again, Brandon's connections are Minnesota bumpkins. And the other guy's, you know, father is lunching with uh, Rupert Murdoch. So, you know, you just see the gap that Brand's really going to have to go to once he's out of the thing. He, you know, he doesn't have those, uh, you know, private school old boy network connections. And uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, now we got Brandon is, uh, we've got Brandon. And Mark, and and again, in the Kelly relationship, as I said before, they hadn't made love, which is really kind of cool. I hadn't remembered that until I saw it again. So this, you know, theoretically, you know, we're getting close to where they're going to do it, you know, and this is really it. But, uh, you know, Mark, uh, he, he, I didn't realize he actually gives Brandon bad advice. He gives him this advice that the guy... Sends him down the road. Always, always asks, uh, you know, uh, deserted island questions. And, and instead, the guy comes up with a doozy, <laughs> like comes out to ask him to compare and contrast John Calvin and Ezekiel. For Larry, instance. can you do that right I now? I can do that right now. <laughs> I, I'm going to do that right now. I, mean, I, okay. I, I didn't have it. I think I might have wrote it. Okay. I'm going to compare them. They're both dead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now I'm going to contrast them. John Calvin was a reformer. Ezekiel was a prophet. John Calvin had his feet on the ground. Ezekiel had his head in the clouds. There you go. There you go. You think that's what Brandon's answer? Was? I think Brandon had the <laughs> simplest way through that. He knew Ezekiel was, you know, was a prophet, a visionary kind of guy who said crazy stuff. And John Calvin was, you know, was a realist, you know, a guy with his feet on the ground and reformer, you know, Protestant. So I don't know, but again, that's kind of a fun thing. I, I don't think I did have another scene where Brandon does give that, but we did throw <laughs> we did throw that out there. And it, I think Jason shot the shit out of this too. The, oh, the I was terror, say, the terror walking that. into the room looked yeah. really pretty cool, and and just everything. And it's a very dry subject, but I thought it really played well. What did you think, Erin? I mean, did, did, did this I thought the, the funniest line was when um, the interviewer says, "Are you familiar with the Bible?" And, he, and Brandon says. You mean when I take it on dessert? <laughs> <laughs> the most random response. <laughs> He's just hoping. Yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. That's like a bad Jeopardy. Like you're on Jeopardy. It's, you know, opera is the, is the category uh, for me. It would be bad. Chris, um, I want to ask you another question, not to do with this episode, but I see it popping up, and I, it, it's a good one. Um, when you were be in the edit editing room and see a boom hole <laughs> pop into your shot, and this happened a lot through 90210. What was the reaction? Are you guys like, oh, sh- what are we going to do? Because it, ha- and it always gets left in. Yeah. So, I mean, in that day, there wasn't a lot of VFX to fix that kind of a thing. So you could you blow, could up, blow the up the shot the yeah. most you could. But today's world, it's a very easy fix. As soon as that boom comes in, you can just, you know, spend a little bit of money and scrub it out. Um, but back but then, it, not so much. But was, was, there re- was there ever reactions like, I see the boom? Is that is that coming up in your world? It always comes up. It always comes. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's but I mean, it's it depends on the the team, the the sound team and the camera team, and they have to get along and communicate with each other because there's you know there's only so much they can bring that boom down in there to get the best. Qu- it best was audio. a low. It was a low ceiling uh, in the sets we had. You know, uh, uh, Chris. I don't know. I have to tell this quick story, Chris, because he'll, he'll appreciate it. But I, I had a comedy uh, deal at at. Um, at, at Sony, I can forget what it was called Columbia then. And the uh, the young guys had the office next to Michael Moy, and I can't remember the other guys, but they were doing the first year of Married with Children. And they were working with a lady I know, Fran McConnell. And she said she brought them in for the for the uh, pre-production meeting for the pilot. And she said to the guys, 
guys, I'm going to get you the best crew possible. And they looked at her and said, no, no, we want the worst crew. We yeah. want the worst crew. We want to see the boom. We want it to be the, it's like an anti-sitcom. And that's what they did. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Uh, Michelle wants to know, Larry, if Mark was not written out as early as you had planned, would you still have had Kelly go out with Tom? Good question. No, we wouldn't have, because I don't think Tom would have existed. I think Tom, the need for Tom happened because we were going to be getting rid of Mark. You know, like we said, it's a personnel decision, which was affecting storytelling. Now we were going to lose one male actor and we really didn't, we had to kind of, you know, just, again, we we needed materialists. You know, when you're doing 32 hours, you just need a lot of content. You need a lot of possibilities. And, you know, we, we saw a hole there for Kelly and we thought we could fix it, you know, and we put Valerie and her together. And, you know, there's some things we could do. So, no, I, I don't think so. Um, another one that came up. But, uh, we, could, we wanted to keep Mark. I mean, he was going to become her boyfriend for that year. If Mark stays, does Brandon still win, get the, the dryer? Or yeah, is- yeah I th- in my mind, he just becomes a good loser. You know what I mean? Right. Like the best man won. I mean, and then he gets laid. <laughs> That's what happens. <laughs> Right, so it didn't uh, happen, unfortunately. Didn't happen, unfortunately. Mark you know, or he, Dalton? He revealed uh, character. Uh, Aaron, do you have any additional questions that you that you want to throw in the mix here? I was curious uh, for Larry and Chris if you knew what kind of direction Jason gave Kim for the Dana character when she was saying all of those lines. Oh, I mean, I I think Jason created a good atmosphere on the set to have a little bit of fun with that and. And, Kim, you know, what was great about Kim is she's so deadpan doing it, too. I mean, it's really good. So I wish she was here. We could uh, kind of give her some, uh, you know, some bravos on that. But there's one line, I think it was a spelling added wild line in, from his cup about, and uh, something about in my bedroom, you know, he wanted to add the bedroom line, a little oh. zinger. But I remember that was added later. Mm. Oh, Interesting. Oh yeah, where's his test going to take? Yeah, in my bedroom. Okay, interesting. Well, there was a, there definitely sounded like that was that that was a little loopy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I was pretty amazed that we went to Century City. We went to the beach on this episode, and we shot you know the shit out of uh, the set, the uh, the college set. I thought it was pretty a uh, pretty big looking production. I mean, also for Chris, I mean, there's a lot of great. Beach. So I guess oh, I know what it was. So Century City was the dryer. The dryer stuff must have been shot at Century City, and the same thing. I, I'm thinking now that looked like a hotel and we had Mark's party there also, the father's party. So, you know, we made our days there. I was going to ask you about shooting on the beach. That seems to be anytime, and 902 shot on the beach a lot over the years. That seems to be probably where a lot of, most of the ADR is happening. And I'm, and I'm curious for some of the, there's like a lot of stuff with Dylan and Kelly on the beach and some of really the, the more powerful stuff. And some of that has to become ADR because it's important dialogue. Do you see the actors? Do they do it together? And are you? And is that sort of chemistry still there? Or how does that process? What is that process like? It's usually always individually. Um, mm. Even you know, unless there's something um, where they are physically overlapping and want to do it again. But it's usually you know scheduling issue. Plus, it's just all queued yeah. separately, and they they come in by themselves to do. I mean, you're looking side. on a screen. They're looking on a screen and watching some lines, and they have the headphones on. Yeah. It's fascinating to me because some of the best stuff, you know, emotionally on screen looks wonderful, but there is this ADR added to it afterwards. And it's interesting to know that while the chemistry is great, you know, physically there, they're adding all that stuff later on. And it's tough. And we've even had conversations where we request that it's easy to ask, but it's really hard to do it from on the production standpoint. It's like, get the master shot with them down by the water. But then when they're in coverage with the with the, the singles on each of them, 
bring them just 20 feet up the beach where you get the water in the background, but they'll be 20 feet away from the water. Yeah. Um, did they ever shoot that for us? I'm not sure, but I know we asked for it just to try and ask for some help. So we would have yeah. less looping. Um, hmm. Did it get you know, better over time with some of that or no? <laughs> sure. I mean, it does, but it also depends on the crew and, you know, and the time allowed it or. And the wind. <laughs> there's also a great, um, from the guys in the sound department told me, because my this, one of my supervisors was an old boom operator. And he says that my first day boom operating, he said, my, the mixer came, told, pulled me aside. He says, look at, he says, see everyone on the set here. They all work for picture, but there's only two guys on set who work for sound. Mm. So they get ganged up on for picture, you know, for hair and for makeup. But when they ask for about a sound issue, everyone wants to worry about picture. So sometimes sound doesn't get the time mm. or respect. And it depends on the director. It depends on the producers. Um, and they have to, you know, they, they don't want to slow down production. You know, so there's lots of politics involved with asking for a fix. Yeah. And yeah. what's cheaper? Finish shooting this because it's costing us hundreds of thousands of dollars per hour. And then we'll fix it with the sound later. We were you talking. Know, I, I want to ask him about. Go ahead. We, as, as a, a gentleman here, we never have had on. Chuck is at war. You know, Chuck goes crazy about the music of the show that Kenny Miller he believes replaced. So we never have had Kenny on, even though Kenny was a very important person in the show. Obviously, he was, as you said, he was your boss. Um, well, the, the, do, do you know the, what happened with with the, with the music? Where where the music for the DVDs? Uh, you know, a lot of it got replaced. They didn't renew the the uh, licensing deals, and they just replaced it with you know generic music. Yeah, I wasn't involved in any of that, but I heard. Oh, you know, good. Okay, you're fine then. Yeah, I'm on the <laughs> Tell Chuck you can talk to me. No, sure. no yeah, all I know that. is, I think. I mean, it was Miami Vice that really started all the music in the shows, um, and that was becoming more popular. And it was a big thing for us. And then with Melrose Place at the same time, they would have a band on, but then at the end there was some deal. You'd see the CD album cover to go buy it. Right. You know, right. Uh, so they picked up marketing. cash on that. Yeah, it was, they, yeah big know, marketing product, pl product placement, basically. They would get paid but, for it. But back in that time, no one wanted to invest the money in what they call an in perpetuity, a license yeah. forever. They would just buy like a five-year license because it was cheaper. And part of the opinion of that time was it's not production's problem. It's the distribution company's problem to worry about. So if they want to distribute it. They have to invest the money in the new license. Um, oh. And that's where you know I heard... A lot of the music got changed because it's just so expensive to listen. Now, every show out there up front goes for in perpetuity. In perpetuity, of course. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that way it's, it's I, done. It's, of it's that approved. And it's paid it's, you know, just props to Chuck Rosen, uh, who's not here with us this week, because he fights so many battles, and he did for 90210. You kind of mentioned it before, Larry. He would have went to war. <laughs> You know, over some over Mark Reese, maybe I don't know, uh, in one way or the other, but he fought for the show. Um, and you know, he's fighting right now, uh, some political stuff in his town, but also, uh, you know, on behalf of the fans, he really wants the music to get restored in the in the series. So, well, I think, I think that the fact that the episodes are not on Hulu is just ridiculous. I mean, you can't have the, you don't, you shouldn't be allowed to have this, these, this series if you're not going to air the series. Exactly. I mean, they, they have to figure a way. I assume the one we just saw jobbed. I can't imagine. That, I think it's in the, in the video that, that we're going to blend Chris on it. There's music. There's this rap group where they're talking. And I don't think you can replace it that easily. You'd have to kind of do a remix the whole thing. Or something. You're talking about the power man 5,000 video where, where no, I'm talking about the one, right. Is that power man 5,000? I think so. Where they're watching, uh, watching the, the old video from Buffalo. 
Yes. I know that's, that's, that's a mix. That's a mixing stage issue. Their dialogue wasn't connected to that at all. See, they should have. They shouldn't have been a problem. We, we can't figure out why or how yeah. this episode is not on Hulu. There's nothing offending. Yeah, because yeah, I rem and that that song I remember was I think it was a Steve choice um, near the end, but it was very edgy, very edgy for us. But it was oh, also, very edgy. But it was but it was the, a bad memory, you know, for Tiffany, and um, it was. I mean, that song was not us at all, but it was no. hard to convey that scene, awkwardness and bad memories. It was so not us that I brought Power Man 5000 on a couple of episodes later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was Jason's band. Jason had a, a label, uh, Curve of the Earth. We had, I mean, all the bands that came on, Larry, there was so much fun. I shared a couple of stories with you last week, but like Brian Setzer, or, uh, Brian Setzer Orchestra was on, and you know, there's, there's a big band to have on, large group of people. And then I remember I was on set that day, and the director's talking with the assistant directors and they're trying to block out a shot and get the cameras right and get the actors right. And here's this band that's been there like all day long and they're like, they're bored because they're waiting around. And finally, Brian just has a countdown for the band and they start playing and the ADs try to stop them and they won't stop. And they went for 20 <laughs> or 30 minutes and the whole crew just put everything down and started dancing. It was a hoot. Oh, that's great. Hey, Chris, while you're here, I mean, I know we could talk to you all day, but uh, the Rolling Stones episode, do you have any memories of, of that because of uh, pulling the, getting the tape and the license? And Chuck and Larry have kind of talked about that before, but do you have any memories of that? I, I wasn't on the show for that one because um, I think that's when I was up over at Melrose Place. Yeah, gotcha. David, yeah, David I think Kimmel's this was uh, uh, Chuck's brother-in-law was, in, uh, was the evening. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, do you have any anything else you want to throw into the mix here? Because we have a after dark to get to. Yeah. That was uh, that was all I got, I think. All right, cool. All right, so listen, guys, next week, uh, Chuck and I are going to be covering Commencement with Dan Adius. That's going to be a nice. lot of fun. It's going to be pre-recorded. We will, we will not be live. And then uh, we are working on a couple of other episodes in the next couple of weeks that are going to be a lot of fun stuff that you guys have asked for for a while. Yeah, like Unreal World, maybe. Uh, yeah, we got some stuff coming. Definitely. Great. All right. It was so good to see you, Chris. Glad we could have you on. I'm sure people got to watch. I was flattered to be here. Thank you so much. It was really nice to be invited. Amazing, Chris. And get ready because we're going to have you uh, way more now. <laughs> <laughs> so just be prepared for many questions. Okay. Good seeing everybody again this Thank week. Uh, for everybody else, we'll be on After Dark in just a minute. Thank okay. you. Bye, everybody. Bye.